0: Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies.
1: Welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established. Co-founder of Established Ventures and the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast. Thank you so much for being here on this episode. I've got my co-founder and co-CEO Jen Consavo, and we're going to talk to a bunch of investors. Uh, basically, going to talk about what's going on in the current state of investment and what uh, what to look forward to uh, as we go into twenty twenty three. So excited about the conversation. Uh, the conversation actually was part of a discussion at our recent pitch event we hosted. Uh, where we had five of our companies from our Startup of the Year community all pitch for additional exposure and uh, some prizes and fast track to our, our summit, which is coming up uh, next year, and uh, additional uh, feedback as well from some, some investors. So the companies that participated were all amazing, all five of them, and they came from all over the edges of, of the country, but also a lot from the south, actually. So we had uh, Arise from New York, New York, we had Every Key from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Halo Helper from uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Shamrock came out of Saint Petersburg, Florida, and Storybook App out of Miami, Florida. All did amazing jobs. Uh, I don't want to spoil the ending for you. If you want to go check out who's who's winning or who won that competition, you can check out the uh the whole thing on our YouTube uh over at uh, the established YouTube channel and uh, watch the pitches. They're really great and uh, a great conversation with the judges. So go check that out and uh oh heck, I'll tell you. We had a People's Choice going on for a while and uh, led up to the event. And the People's Choice winner for that particular event was Storybook app out of Miami, Florida. So check out the Storybook app. It's really interesting if you've got a a, a child or, um, you know, maybe a, a niece or nephew. And it's a great way to when you're going to sleep to kind of get them more relaxed so they can go to sleep better and sleep longer. So great stuff there. And then also, uh, we we actually named uh, the winner of that particular event. Got fast tracked. They won a a uh, gold a golden microphone. <laughs> uh, man, I think it's golden plated. I don't actually think it's solid gold. And uh, they got a chance to uh, you know get get additional exposure. And that company that that did ex- uh, get those uh, judges excited the most, although all did very well, was Every Key out of Cleveland, Ohio. So every Every Key will be joining us at our summit. And uh, they're doing great stuff. But I do should mention all five companies are pretty amazing. You should check them all out in the show notes and uh, over on their own personal uh, sites. Just take a look for them. All right, let's dive into this conversation, though. it's We've got five investors. Sorry, three investors. That was five startups. Three investors. Um, and the investors include Rich Malloy, who's a former colleague colleague of ours. He, he used to be part of the established team. He's now a uh, managing partner over at Springtime Ventures. And he had a career in finance and sales, and it led him to you know, venture, which ultimately is helping him with his mission, which is rebuilding the American dream through entrepreneurship. He focused, uh, focuses on working with early stage companies and investing in them as well. Um, really excited to have Rich back and, and sharing his insights. Uh, we have Monique Idlet Mosley, who's the founder and general partner over at Rain Venture Capital, which is an early stage investment firm that focuses on women and minority led companies which both of which we are obviously very excited about want to get more venture into their hands. So love having her involved here in this discussion. And then she's also got an interesting background. She came from the music industry where she was the CEO of Mosley Music Brands and uh, Mosley uh, Music Group, which basically had an amazing roster of artists. Um, uh, Timbaland and uh, Nelly Furtado, uh, One Republic and many more uh, were part of that label. So and group. So Really exciting uh, to see her and have her share her kind of correlation between what it's like being in the music industry and like what it's like to do VC. Last but not least, we have Peter Alemus. He's actually the uh, founder and general partner at uh, Alemus Ventures. And uh, he's got a background in dental care, actually, which is interesting. Uh, He he actually helped uh, with building the largest private dental group in Chicago and prior to that, was part of an investment banker uh, world. So he was over at uh, RBC uh, Capital Markets over in New York. So really diverse background there. But uh, is now investing in early stage companies, and we're excited to have him in this discussion as well. So before we dive in, though, I wanted to shine a light on a company in our community. We do that every episode on the Start of the Year podcast. We decided to, this week it should be one of the companies that participated recently in our pitch event, and that company is Halo Helper out of San Juan, Puerto Rico. They're a peer-to-peer marketplace, increasing accessibility, inclusivity, and cost efficiency for on-demand services or work. Uh, the platform provides access to all types of local workers, and uh, if you want to learn more about it, go over to halo so J-O-I-N and then com. Join joinhalo.com. And learn more today. All right, now let's jump into that investment or uh, investor conversation with Rich, Monique, Peter, Jen, Consavo, and myself. Let's go. We're going to quickly uh, go around the horn here. We didn't get a chance at the beginning to kind of hear a little bit more about our judges, so please tell us a little bit more about the types of companies you invest in, what your firms are looking for, and a little bit more about what each of you does look for when you're looking for companies? And we'll start again, um, Monique, then Peter, and then Rich.
2: Thank you. So um, myself and Erica, we own Rain Ventures, and we do specialize in consumer tech and SaaS. Um, We are seed stage uh, uh, investors, and we typically lead over half of our investments, Um, We find ourselves, you know, we deem ourselves pretty founder friendly and supportive. As I mentioned before, you know, taking my experience and kind of like creating like this nice safety net for the music, the artists in the music industry that we had and kind of taking that same perspective with the talented, exceptional founders and just giving them the support that they need at this vulnerable stage.
1: That makes sense. And just to kind of uh, to find that a little bit more folks maybe just joined. Tell us a little bit more about your background and wh- what you meant by the, the music side of what you're doing.
2: Yes, yeah, so um, I, in, I had my career in my 20s uh, and built a music label and uh, a publishing company with my ex-husband. And we definitely had this concept of fewer artists and kind of the platinum concept. And that's how Eric and I invest, right? Fewer investments, not kind of the spray and pray that had been put out there previously and just really give them the support, the access. Founders need access to resources. They need access to network, relationships, and sometimes just, you know, just advisor perspective. And so we try to provide all of those added value outside of just the actual check.
1: Great, that makes sense. All right, Uh, Peter, go ahead. Share a little bit more about what you're doing and what you're looking for. Thank you, Frank. So I guess
0: just by way of background, um, so our family business was one of the largest dental companies in the Midwest and we built our family office around that. And we initially started investing in dental tech just by nature of the business. And then that led us into co-investing with other family offices, and essentially, just investing in early stage businesses, seed being the the sweet spot. But we've done Series A, we've done pre-seed, and our thesis has sort of been around investing for, first and foremost in amazing founders. But you know, underlying that is investing in industries that are maybe don't get enough VC investment as they should. Um, we've invested in trucking and logistics, prop tech. Uh, like I said, dental and we're always looking for for great deals we're u.s focused so we don't really look outside the u.s um, and pretty industry agnostic
1: okay. makes sense monique do you look outside the u.s
2: no you know Eric and i focus in the united states um yeah. and we pretty much have invested everywhere except for silicon valley
1: great excellent all right last but not least rich molloy molloy <laughs> <laughs>
3: So uh, um, <clears throat> so Springtime Ventures is a seed stage fund. We're based in Colorado. We just, we uh, also only invest in the US and uh, f- we just closed our second fund. And with our second fund, we dialed in our focus areas from our first fund. So we specifically are investing at the seed stage for FinTech and InsureTech, healthcare, logistics and supply chain and marketplaces. And really we've, we've, we've picked these sectors because we realize we've surrounded ourselves with experts industry experts that not only can they help us better understand the startups that we're looking at but then they can actually be value add to those startups starting from the very beginning so we usually bring in our advisors many of them that are also lps we will bring the bring those folks in into the due diligence process and oftentimes when there's a good fit then uh they end up uh, supporting or maybe even mentoring those uh those companies along the way on their journey
2: Awesome. I'd love to hear more from each of you about what you're specifically looking for in founders and teams, especially at that early stage.
3: And by the way, Monique, I think it was, uh, you you had such great questions. And so, so I think it was great that you were always going first because like, oh, I'll cross that question off my list. So those are excellent, excellent questions for sure. Um, We, we we've really started to, to go back to better understanding the founders, and their motivations before we invest in them and we have found that that you know the it's it's such a trope to say that you know um uh you know uh, mediocre investor great market market wins you know uh you know great investor you know mediocre market mark you know uh founder wins or whatever, how, whatever however you want to phrase that but we really truly believe that a great founder will make makes all the difference and so you might have a very um uh, you know, not a great problem that's being solved, or maybe you're not super excited about, uh, about the way that's going, or that any problems that come up, that founder is going to find a way to push through. So we dig in a lot on founder motivations. We dig in a lot on why this problem for them. And we dig in a lot on, uh, you know, we'd love to see industry expertise or at least some background. And if you don't have the industry expertise, can you demonstrate that you have learned this industry and can talk about it inside and out? and then leverage that to why you're an unstoppable founder. Because let's face it, this is, it's, it is so hard starting a business and building a company. And then not only are you going to start a business and build a business and grow it, but then you're expected to scale it. And the CEO that you have to be with, just you and your co-founder, is different than the one with five employees, than the one with 50 employees, and the one with 500 employees. Those are all completely different people. And so can that founder evolve and continually evolve into those pieces? it's hard to say it's hard to know but we we do dig in a lot on the uh, on the founder and their motivations.
0: awesome Peter. Um well I'll caveat this by saying this is Peter's opinion and my experience right so um i think first and foremost we've had the most success with founders where they've for lack of a better word they've burnt all previous ships like this is their baby and this is what they're doing mm-hmm. you know when we've had founders invested in founders that are like oh this is i'm just doing this on the side or i have a couple other businesses or i'm employed somewhere else we i for me personally i've never seen it go um well you know like one of our recent investments like our, our founder is like he has three kids you know this is what he does like 20 hours a day this is like it's it's like do or die so for us we have had the most success with founders where They've made it their life's duty to, to do this and see, you know, their their business to to um, to succeed. So first and foremost, I think that goes without saying, like when we look at an investment, you know, that sort of check the box has to be in. Um, I think second, um, he, he has he or she really need to be, uh, you know, a people person they have, you know, they're going to be the face of the company. And as we keep growing and raising, they need to be able to deal with all sorts of people. So if they sort of like are closed minded or they don't want to interact, I think that sort of needs to be changed a little bit because they're going to be the face of the company. And that's, you know, we're investing in a company where the, that, that founder, he or she has to be the face of it. And then I think the third thing is um, kind of towards richest point. They have to be so ingrained in that industry where they have found something or some dislocation in the industry that they are looking to take advantage of. And it's not this like very glib, like, you know, superficial. No, they know the industry is so cold that they figured out this is why we're going to succeed. So I think those are like our three like fundamental points.
1: The last one, you mean like a seam, like they found something that's like they could, you know, take advantage of? That's right. Okay, great. Yeah. All right, Monique, go ahead.
2: You know, so everything that Peter and Rich said, and you know, what I would add is that clearly like the traditional due diligence, right? The product market fit, the founder team fit. One of the things that I kind of specialize in and really pay attention to outside of kind of like that it that gut it, you know, factor when it comes to a founder is the coachability of a founder, right? Um, Also we take time, we start early with founders. We're like in that founder community when they're still just possibly thinking about angels and we're taking the time to get to know them. We're seeing how flexible they are with the evolution of their business and also their team including their self and their personal growth. How do they deal with adversity? what is their public image you know what are their what are the things that they're prioritizing i actually don't think that we talk enough about this is that you are the representation of the business model and at such an early stage you know you may not have the financials to prove so what we're what we're investing is is actually the founding team um and you know also one of the things that's really big for us at rain ventures is the honesty and the transparency when it comes to the yellow flag so that it doesn't get to a red flag. And so we like to put a lot of effort into the relationship side. Um, so clearly all the traditional due diligence, but coachability is something that's really important and not so much from the investor side, but whoever may be the expert or the advisors that really need to help you scale your company model.
1: Great, and just to follow up on that real quick, the. Um and we can do it real briefly, the yellow flags. How do, you, how do you create that that ability for them to communicate those red, yellow flags without, you know, them feeling like, oh gosh, they're going to, you know, I've always got another round coming or whatever. Is this going to Right, You
0: usually see so many entrepreneurs trying
2: to hide, hide things, going so like, nope, I've got it all under good. control, Good, we're good, right? we're
1: good. And then they tank, you know, or whatever.
2: So remember, coming for, from almost 30 years in the music industry, right? Yeah. It was my job to get to know the talent. To right. be able to understand their body language, to be able to create a safe space for them, right? I, it, I'm not here to be authoritative, and I think that, with all due respect, the VC world is a very intimidating world, right? Yeah. It's 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 a very testosterone-driven, you know, model, and that doesn't really leave a lot of for a lot of room of conversation and communication. So one of the things that I saw as when I started investing was there needed to be a safe space for founders that was more like a tough love, But if we can't really know what the problems are, how as advisors and investors, do we actually create a place where they can actually solve the problem? So I think that you know how we create that is actually being honest with them as to what type of investor we are. But more importantly, we're able to give them 10 and a half years of Eric and I investing together to speak to all of the founders that we actually have invested in. And more importantly, the ones that we actually haven't given financial capital to, but still created a safe space for them.
1: Great. That makes sense. All right. Um,
3: there there's, um, there's one thing that, that, uh, that, uh, Monique, I would love to, I would love to debate with you because we've actually found coachability, um, uh, as a negative trait. And, and so we've found that founders that are overly coachable tend to waffle and, um, can't stick to a long-term, uh, you know can't stick to a strategy and are less capable decision makers right and so and now you know the far other extreme is somebody that that it's their way or the highway and that's not somebody that you can invest in either and so uh, you know i'm just curious about the uh, the middle ground there like threading the needle right between somebody that is knows when to ask for advice and knows when to seek advice knows when to when when to seek counsel but also then uh has can make a decision and go fast in that direction, right? And doesn't have to stand around and ask 16 people. And so coachability has been a flag for us.
2: So, you know, I'll say this Rich, I started my career at 22 as the youngest executive at a number one company. And I'm here to tell you that all of those C-suites were getting advised every second of the day when it came to big problems, okay? And so when we talk about coachability at Rain Ventures, they've already met all of the due diligence Okay. So they've already, they have checkbox as something that we are willing to invest in. And what we mean by coachability is that when you are in need of advice or you're in need of a sounding board, you feel comfortable not just going to your team, but also to your advisors and to your investors. So I, you know, to say that. Like they have to meet the due diligence first. So I, so thank you for allowing me to clarify that because that's oh, yeah. actually what we mean by that. Um, no, we we've never invested in any founder that we deem needs to have to, a, so to ask a question for every type of leadership dis- decision. So we don't. That's not even the bucket for us because we actually would not invest in that team. But it is important to us as lead investors in particular, we have a responsibility and accountability to our co-investors to make sure that we're paying attention to the company and keeping them abreast as well as investors. And so we we like to make sure that the leading teams are teams that answer our phone calls if we have a question or we'll pick up the phone if they have a question.
3: I love that. Thanks for so that Thank you for that
2: clarification. Yes.
3: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, you, oh, so many times coachability is, you know, c- comes across as this really soft, um, mushy, um, you know, this, the, the founder is going to listen to what I have to say and they're going to, you know, and they're going to, they're, they're going to do what their their advisors tell them. But it's,
2: you know, I have to tell you, it's very interesting to me, this, this world that I came into 10 and a half years ago with this idea that, amazing exceptional founders are supposed to know everything when in fact at almost 50 years old i like to say i actually know nothing and i just sit in that student space and so i do think that we have an obligation at this pre-seed and seed stage to really create an environment that they're free thinkers and it's accepted and that they're allowed to kind of test and and learn the lessons quickly and then adjust and pivot so that's what the coachability means to me the flexibility to evolve especially when things like what COVID happened, right? right? All of our founders in our portfolio were coachable because they pivoted when they, in that moment, when others were panicking, they pivoted and our companies actually came out stronger during COVID. So I think that, um, I guess for, from a term perspective, it can be used differently, but I do think that at the seed stage, we have an obligation to be more of a supporter versus a, a, a you know a, a critic, so to speak.
1: Mm nice that makes sense all right we'll switch gears here a little bit uh on the next kind of question and you i love the debate so keep it up if you have <laughs> counterpoints or want to clarify anything please do jump in what's um so when companies are trying to find you or get connected with you what are some of the uh, most important metrics that you see whether it be in email or pitch deck or how do you like to be i guess uh, uh, uh reached out to to kind of have that first interaction and and I guess you know how important is that pitch deck to begin with, even for you all now. Who wants to I jump guess at? I'll go ahead in here.
0: Um, yep. So I guess two things. Um, one, I would rather a pitch deck is important, and I would rather have an email be very concise versus like a you know twenty paragraph. You know, we haven't even spoken yet. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that is important to us is if. If you're pre-revenue, at least let us know. Like, don't make me dig to find out your pre-revenue. I'd rather find that out because um, we prefer revenue, but we can do pre-revenue. But I think a lot of founders that I've seen that are pre-revenue tend to not, you know, mention that from the outset and they'll just sort of focus on, oh, this is, which is fine, but at least make it known, hey, we're pre-revenue. This is sort of the the mall right now we're raising a pre-seed. I think that's more enticing than trying to make things look better. Um, but in terms of metrics, it, it, when you're that early, it's like projection, projections are a little useless. You know, you're so early. Um, and I just feel like the main thing is that we'd like to see is, hey, here's the idea. You're competitors. This is what we're raising at, you know, X valuation. You know, this is our CAC. Um, this is our revenue. If we have revenue, um, our sales so far. Just very simple, high level, um, high level items. Because when you're investing that early, the main, at least for us, the main thing we we're looking for is is how is the founder, uh, you know, and how is the idea? Because that's what you're really essentially betting on. Yeah, founder and idea.
1: I like that. Who else wants to weigh in on this?
2: You know, I would also add that, um, you know, we're also like when it comes to the pitch deck, so to speak, it's for me, it's more about did you get like I like a straightforward type of conversation. Here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's what our competitive advantage is and why we're why we're going to capture this addressable market. And here's our team that's going to do it. Right. And so I think when you're able to tell that story quickly in a deck, we love the decks. Um, But founders reach out to us always social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, I respond to everything, Um, but we do have like a formal process once we actually, but we every Friday we have founder Fridays, and all day long we're doing 30 minute increments with founders from all over that are just talking to us pitching us you know so we Mm -hmm. try to keep like a consistency but then also we're in the events we're in the founder community you know we try to do as much as we can to engage them and i like a good conversation i like to to know that the founder knows exactly what they're doing when i've had an hour-long conversation and i have walked away and i still don't understand what the company is We typically, well, we never have invested in that. So I like for founders to know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it.
1: That makes sense.
3: For Springtime, so for starters, how startups can find us is first of all, they can <clears throat> just go to springtimeventures.com and on there is a pitch us form. We think that having a cold, uh, an opportunity for cold inbound is is a great way. We have actually made investments off of cold inbound uh, that, have, that have come in through that form. Um, and we think that's a great way to expand that beyond the network uh, beyond just, you know, where, you know, the, the, the network piece there. Um, I, I, we also do, I also do open office hours. I love that, uh, that, that you do office hours because it's a, it's a great way. Like that's another thing you can find <clears throat> on the website. Uh, Matt, Allison and I, my partner, Matt and our principal, Allison, all three of us do office hours each week. And so founders can come in and find us. And I love a good pitch deck. I really do. Um, Peter, to your, to your point about, uh, you know, are you pre-revenue or not? Or like, just say it. Um, I, one of my rules for, that I tell founders, it should be one their rule for pitching is don't make me think, don't make me work, right? <clears throat> if I have to guess, are you, do you have revenue? If I have to try to dig through your deck to figure out what in the heck your business actually does, right? I've got, I've got another, I'm going to see probably 3000 startups a year, maybe a thousand startups a year, right? And it, you know, and so it, the more that you make an investor work, for the key information the harder it is going to be just to get a meeting with that investor and the purpose of the pitch deck is not to win the investment the purpose is to just get the meeting and by the way shameless plug here i have a uh, a podcast called the vc minute that spun out of the startup of the year podcast that started <laughs> in what 2020 maybe yeah, um, yeah a while ago yeah, on the twenty as as literally a minute of Rich talking about fundraising on the Startup of the Year podcast, and so the VC minute has its own has breathed some new life into it. Um, uh, was grateful to be able to spin it out of Startup of the Year and and uh, have it standalone. Um, and so uh, that you know, episode twenty seven is "Don't make me think, don't make me work," and it's one of my one it. of my favorites. Love
2: it. <laughs>
3: and you heard it
0: here, just things coming out of Startup of the Year left and right every day.
3: I know. You you got incubated my own podcast. Sweet.
2: Love
0: it. All right. all right. So another question for you. Um,
1: It's 2022, the end of the year here.
0: Yes, it's the end of the year and it's been quite a year. And this actually builds on something Monique said earlier about flexibility of of startups, right? Coming out of COVID.
2: But, you know, even since 2020 and 2021, we've had a heck of a time. And just just in terms of the economy, um, the way that investment has sort of, dried up a bit for many startups.
1: Yeah, I mean, major inflation, you're hearing the boom and doom on TV and everything about layoffs. the economy, layoffs. Uh, when you're not hearing about Twitter, I guess, and everything going on with that, you're hearing about the crypto company that imploded, right, that was worth billions. So you're hearing a lot of this stuff. It's, it's dried up a little bit for people. I was out at, at uh, an event in October, major event in our industry, and, you know, 200 companies, there are all raising, no one's writing checks. Literally, no one. I asked all of them, and and so I want to get your take. Like, what is going on with capital, and where do you see it going as we go into the new year? Obviously, knowing December is kind of a slower time to begin with.
3: I'm gonna jump in and shameless another shameless self, self shameless <laughs> self plug. But I wrote a Q3 market report, which you can mm. get on the oh, Springtime right. site, um, mm-hmm. analyzing you know the the coming the the effects of the volatility, the effects of of uh, what has been out there, and you know, the there is a the data shows that there is a significant slowdown in the pace of investing. And so, just taking from the speed at which venture funds were deploying capital previously in 2021, specifically, but really, if you start with say Q4 2020 and roll yeah. that forward, even Q3 2020 and roll that forward for the next for the next 18 uh, months, um, the speed was extraordinary. Yeah. You know, raise a fund, deploy it in twelve months. Raise a fund, deploy it in eighteen months. Something along those lines. Everybody has pulled back on that, and so that has just led to a significant slowdown in the number of rounds that are getting done. My my theory, I call it the hot or not pool party, right? So either you have got a hot pool party, or your pool party is not hot. And mm-hmm. so for founders out there, they're going to look at these rounds, and it's like, how did how did this startup raise five million dollars when I'm when you know uh, Hello Helper is looking, you know, everybody here is looking to raise a million dollars or less. Right? And they're looking at these companies that are raising $5 million, wondering what in the heck is going on over there. Right, mm-hmm. So either your pool party is hot or it's not. And, and so we're going to see, really see this, this effect, I think. And I think it's going to be even more exacerbated next year with um, fewer funding rounds getting done and larger with larger numbers in those funding rounds. And it, right. unfortunately, it makes it harder for
1: great startups that don't need $5 million to get to the next level so what was happening before more pool parties lower hot people i don't know more hot pool people people were
3: deploying capital much much faster and you would rather be in funds would rather be in 35 startups rather than 25 startups and spread that capital capital around so you're hitting right. many so you're hitting more more parties yep. um you know with with less frequency or, or with less you know with, with less time or less dollars invested in each of them makes sense yeah.
1: Any else anyone else want to weigh in on this what's going on I guess
0: yeah I guess look I'll say in terms of like the amount of dry powder out there there's just like a ton of capital floating around but to Rich's point I think the allocation is either being used to invest in other funds or it's being used for more later stage deals where investors maybe feel more safe so Mm -hmm. I think if like if I was a founder I think one, as investors, we really take the long-term view. We're, we're looking at five to 10 years out. We're not just investing for next year. But if I was a founder, I would just keep increasing sales, keep building um, because you want to get through this because I, you know, not to be all doom and gloom, but, you know, just based on what's being, or being told and what the market is saying, it, it's looking to be a pretty potentially rough recession. So mm-hmm. I think you really just need to keep building. Um, and the capital will always be there, but I think for right now, it's being allocated a little differently than than it was to richest point. Gotcha.
2: I think the only thing I would add would be, you know, what we always tell our founders and any founder we talk to is that you're actually building your company for your customer, and that should be done in the most lean, most effective, and efficient way, getting to cash flow positive as quickly as possible. You know, even though we have a fund. There is like some PR moment that happened that everyone just thinks like it's the coolest thing ever to like get the highest valuation and raise the most money. And it's like, actually, that's a horrible method because you need to actually be you need to, you just can't throw money at a company, right? You actually have to know the business model. You really need to get your customers to pay and you have to know what you're doing in the most effective way. And so it's like you're building for the customer, not for the investor. And if they wrap their head around that, then they're able to understand that, you know what? When you can raise, raise right? But there's going to be difficulties. And by the way, it's not just the founders. It's the it's us as GPs. It's us as funds, right? Um, we're just, capital's not being deployed right now. And so it's how do we make the most and the best of what it is right now? And how do we get to a safe space? And I think that's for all of us, investors, founders, whatever this community is. But when you're building, you just have to build lean,
1: always. Yeah. It's a great point, and we should look back to history. Back in two thousand eight, some of the most interesting companies did pop out during that time. That was a, a bit of a similar situation. So, not keep keep working on it and keep going forward, and obviously be super lean. All right, great great answers there, and I appreciate that. Next up, we got a couple questions looking at this year, and then looking to the future, and then we're going to kind of wrap. So, uh, what's your most ex- what were you most excited about in two thousand twenty two? And then looking ahead, what do you? What's your feeling on twenty twenty three? What are you looking at or ahead towards and excited about? Could be an industry, it could be a trend, it could be anything. Some, anything.
2: You know, in twenty twenty two, I was excited uh, to be able to present a new way of investing right? Inclusive investing, where everyone was trying to force us to like categorize ourselves since we were two black female GPs. And it's like, actually what we're trying to do and what we're being the example of is how investing should have always been done, right? So being able to have that inclusive conversation and sh- and show a data room and prove that you can actually have an inclusive, diverse portfolio of all types of amazing founders, instead of just the 97% of traditional founder that keeps getting invested in is just been Something I've like really, really been excited about because I actually do believe in inclusivity internally and externally. And so that's been just something that I've been really happy about. I'm also very, you know, for 2023, I'm excited to kind of take a deeper dive into we've been so focused on building Rain Ventures that it never dawned on us that as lead investors and since we're a newer fund, that the growth in late stage investors may not deem us as valuable as an investor as like the top 10 out of Silicon Valley, right? And so I see that as another challenge and I see that as another great way to kind of extend our network and grow. And so just like founders, you know, we as investors reach all types of adversity too. And so I'm looking forward to kind of solving that problem too.
1: Love that, gotcha. All right. Anybody else want to share?
0: I I was going to say in 22, um, we were most excited for um, industries that were getting highlighted in the venture world that weren't previously, for example, like trucking and logistics was super hot this year. And I think it was just a nice trend to see industries that don't normally get highlighted in VC get highlighted. So that was something we were very excited for. Um, I think something that we're very excited for for the coming year um, I think things are going to get a little more focused and lean, meaning there's a, there, like this year, there was a lot of excitement and frankly, a lot of fluff because everyone was raising, everyone was going out and it was hard to tell what's legit, what's not legit sometimes. And there's just a lot of things happening. And I feel like for the coming year, things are really going to tighten down and you the real winners are going to prove themselves. So I think that's something that I'm very excited for. Yep, uh,
3: man, those are those are such great points, you know, for um, I'll share a quick anecdote for 2022 for springtime. We were excited to do our final close and um, it, uh, we thought, you know, the, the the fundraising market was just as hard for us as it was for, uh, you know, for founders. We thought we were going to close on somewhere between twenty seven and thirty million on a, on a twenty five million dollar target. And it just evaporated in the la- oh. in, in, you know, from August to October completely evaporated and wow. uh and so we did end up hitting our target but it was um but it was a stretch uh and so uh you know as a nano micro well we've moved from nano to micro fund as a as a micro fund right it's uh, every little bit of that <clears throat> helps it makes a difference in the long run but yeah we felt that we definitely uh, felt that uh pretty acutely and seconding you know combining what peter and monique had both said about 2023 right is that First of all, you know, you build this business for your customers and not for venture capital. And that got lost in the last, let's call it two years, maybe even longer. Right. So getting back to building for your customers, building great businesses, building a business period, turning it into a great business, and then let venture capital support that along the way if it's a fit. So I'm excited for that to become, for the focus to become on the customer and the business again.
1: that was amazing discussion. Really uh, love the, the conversation because it it does hit some of the things we've been hearing about now for the last at least quarter or so in talking to hundreds of startups uh, about capital and what's going on in, with investment and everything. So for those that are out there raising funds, you heard them just like agree 100%, like keep going, find your customers and focus on that right now. If you're not able to get the checks you're looking for, and uh i'm sure things will change soon you know we did see similar times in 2008 and a lot of great companies were spun out of that so don't forget that all right before we wrap the episode i wanted to share a few things that are coming up uh in the new year we're already at the end of the year i can't believe it um and uh we've got we're going to be heading out to las vegas where i live for almost 8 years uh and we're going to be going to CES so the consumer electronics show and we're going to be working on a couple different things. So the startup community, if you're a part of the Startup your community and you want to join us, we're going to give uh, you a little cup of Joe or a cup of coffee. If you join us for our special coffee meetup, uh, it's at Off The Strip. Uh, and you basically can just go sign up in the show notes. There's an Eventbrite link and you can sign up to be a part of that. You do need to sign up in, in advance to be a part of that event. Uh, there's some cap- capacity uh, issues. so I want to make sure that you, you sign up in order to get in there and it'll help us understand who's coming, and how big of a venue we need, and if we need to do anything to make sure that there's more space, and if we need to add more coffee. So hopefully you can meet up, and, and there should be a bunch of other investors and startups there, so it should be a good group from our community. And then also, we're going to be there on a couple different other, other kind of dockets. We've got our partners, in, uh, in we're partnered with uh, the Consumer Technology Association Foundation, and we're actually helping produce their pitch competition. The fifth year in a row, there's a pitch event, and there's a lot of great um, companies involved, and a lot of great investors, and and it should be a great event. So that's also on the on the sixth of January. So if you're in the area, if you're planning on being at CES and you like startups, check out the CTAF pitch competition, and that'll be Friday, uh, this January sixth, from two to four p.m. East or Pacific. And uh, you can get a chance to, to watch that live. And then finally, uh, we're going to be there also for uh, our work with the America Seed Fund, which is a $4 billion a year fund um, that's, you know the American government <laughs> basically invests in startups through the 11 agencies that are part of, of Americas Seed Fund. So lots of exciting stuff happening there. You want to learn more about it, you can go to Americasseedfund.us and uh, look for us actually on, in Eureka Park as well, because we're going to be doing some different things there, talking about different opportunities for both um, startups as well as uh, entrepreneurial support organizations. So lots going on in our community, a lot going on at CES, and looking forward to head, heading back to Las Vegas. I haven't been there in a few years now. It's been <laughs> it's been a strange couple of years there, but I'm um, looking forward to getting back. All right. Well, that's the show for today. Thanks for listening. I uh, really appreciate it. And I can't believe this is probably our last show of the year. So thank you for listening all year if you've been here. Hopefully you found this episode and others helpful. And if you have a startup idea and you want to get it going, today is the best day to start up. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it going, get it started, and hopefully we can help you by you joining our community, just go to startupofyear.com and apply or go to soty.link forward slash apply to go directly to our application and get into our community immediately. There's a lot of resources, there's community, there's other founders, there's investors, there's mentors, there's lots of things that you can get for it, from it as we uh, all try to help you elevate your company. And it's all you know free. So I think it's, it's a no brainer. Just go to soty.link forward slash apply. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber. Don't forget to hug your loved ones. I hope you have a wonderful and safe holiday season, and uh, good luck starting up out there.
0: Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and we'll be back with another
1: episode soon.